This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. At Target, everyone can find the beauty products that work for them at affordable prices. Target carries an extensive range of BIPOC-owned and founded beauty and skincare products, such as Thread Beauty, Shea Moisture, Naturium, and Hero. All of these products are available at everyday low prices, meaning you never have to compromise who you are and what's important to you when you shop. Inclusive BIPOC-owned beauty products for everyone, available at Target. Head to your local Target or visit Target.com. This podcast is proudly in association with Pitch Sport Football, the app that allows you to interact with other West Ham fans, pick your starting eleven, and participate in fan time videos. This app is absolutely free, so like I've done, like Hex has done, and like thousands of other West Ham fans have done, get this downloaded if you haven't already. That's Pitch Sport Football. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, and serial YTK blogger, XWHU employee. Over the years, we've had the pleasure of sitting down with a number of ex-pros to talk about their time at West Ham, and tonight we're going to relive a classic interview with Hammers legend, Alvin Martin. We hope you enjoyed this interview as much as we did. So you came to West Ham, a lad from Liverpool. How did how did that all come about? Well, I came down um, through a, a guy called John McBride, who was running a, a a team in Liverpool. You know, fifty under sixteen team in Liverpool, and uh, and he, he he had a contact, uh, Wally mm-hmm. St Pierre at the club, and he knew obviously people like Ron Greenwood, um, and we had a meeting with Ron Greenwood and John Lyle in the Adelphi Hotel in Liverpool about a year before I came down here. Mm-hmm. I was already on uh, associated schoolboy forms with Everton mm-hmm. and Everton dithered and when I say dithered they offered me a contract but it wasn't a full apprenticeship it was a semi-professional apprenticeship mm-hmm. and, um, and I decided that wasn't good enough and I was going to get the train down to, um, to QPR and West Ham to have a trial mm-hmm. so I jumped the train down to QPR the first two weeks there we'd run in, run in, run in. it was pre-season it was a good club and they couldn't make their mind up on me they wanted me to stay on for another two weeks um, and I said that I was going on holiday, but I was I was coming to West Ham the following day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had a, t- a two-week trial at West Ham. I, I went there. I knew I had a second bite at the Cherry QPR. But within a week, Ron Greenwood had offered me a, um, a full apprenticeship, and I, I had no hesitation in signing it. As soon as I went into West Ham, it was a, it was just that I knew it was right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, actually. Why did you know it was right? Different reasons. You, you feel there's a friendliness about the club. As soon as I got to Chadwell Heath, I was given a kit roll. I still wanted a bite to eat before we trained. He said, yeah, where do I sit? He said, over there. I said, well, that's the first team. He said, doesn't matter. We all muck in here together. So that was one thing. Mm. You were close to everyone. You could see people like Billy Bonds and Trevor Brooken and, and sit and eat with them. Um, the coaching was unbelievable. Ron Greenwood and John Lyle at that time. John Lyle was the assistant manager. And Ron Greenwood was was an unbelievable. It's very hard to explain in a short uh, time that we've got how excellent he was in everything that he did. Was there was a purpose to it, and John obviously took that uh, that philosophy through his career. Um, and I was just very fortunate to to turn up at a, at a time when the coaches were fantastic. And the first year that uh, Ronnie Boyce was was a coach was that year. He was my um, youth team manager after I'd signed Apprentice so I was really fortunate everything just was in place for me mm. um, 
So when you first got to the club, was there any players that kind of looked out for you, took you under their wing at all? You know, you've come all the way down from Liverpool. You'd like to think the elder pros might have... And, and also, to jump on the back of that, that must be hard for a young lad. You're not going to a local club. Yeah. You're coming down south. And that's... I mean, I'm assuming it was a big cultural change in those days. Maybe it wasn't. But that must have been quite daunting for you as well, from a personal perspective. Yeah, I mean, it was... It was, it was um, I've, I've, the football was easy. I found the football easy. But, like, it, it was when you go home um, and you didn't have enough money. So whereas like I was on £8 a week the first year, if I didn't have enough money at the end of the month, I, I, I couldn't get any money from anywhere. Whereas if you were living at home, like the lads who were living in West Ham and East Ham with their families, they could borrow a pound or two pound, get them by for another few days. I, I didn't, it was things like that I found very difficult. A lot yeah. made me grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was hard. I think it, it's harder when the football's not going well. If the football, I couldn't wait to get up in the morning. Mm. I couldn't wait. I used to get excited going to bed, thinking I'm going to get up in the morning, and I'd go down to uh, the main ground where I'd catch the minibus, and we'd we'd load all the kit on as apprentices, and we'd travel to Chadwell Heath. Ronnie Boyce would drive the minibus. We'd get all the kit out, lay it all out for the first team, get ours out, then we'd train, then we'd come back in. And then we'd uh, get all the kits, put them all into the uh, the skips, take them back to the main grounds, um, get them all ready, washed and, and rolled for the following day. And we'd train in the afternoon, and then we'd come back and load the skips, ready for the following morning. And I, I just loved it. I just thought it was a fantastic life. And I was genuinely excited about going in every day. And, and was there any players that sort of... St- did look after you at all, okay, but like sort of. I think that come advice. later on. I was I could look after myself physically. Yeah, I think there was a bit of banter that I was on the end of it initially. Yeah, um, but it was it was a very friendly club. The, yeah. the lads who were in there: Paul Brush, Alan Kirbisley, Jeff Pike, Terry mm. Hillock, Terry Sharp, Lou Murphy, Pat Creasy. You know, it was a, it was a really and we got to the FA Youth Cup final that year. Yeah, so it was a good side that I'd come into mm. and um, a very good time to be a West Ham player. Yeah, yeah. I think, if I've got this right, you made your debut against Aston Villa in 1978. What are your memories from that game? Uh, I think that might have been 77. But, it, uh, but uh, I remember coming on, I can't remember if it was 3-1. Uh, and he, he, there was only one sub in them days. And somebody must have got a knock. And John brought me on. He said, go up front. I don't think he trusted me enough to go up the back. <laughs> so I went up front and I had a header that just missed the post. And But that was the first time I'd ever played in front of a crowd like that. A big crowd, mm. you know. Um, what is that like? I mean, to us mere mortals, what what yeah. does that feel like? Mm. It's away from home. It's different. It's like um, what I found is the biggest thing was playing the first game at the bowling, which uh, was not long after that. I played a game. Uh, I got a sub again. We were playing Coventry uh, at the bowling, and Jeff Pike got an eye injury. Really, five minutes into the game, a really bad eye injury. Ball caught him. I think he had a problem with his retina. Anyway, I came on after five minutes. And even then, John said to me, where do you want to go up front? Because I could play up front. Or at the back, I went, I want to go at the back. And we were fighting a relegation battle mm. at the time. So it was, a big, it was a big decision for John. He said, OK, we'll put you... He pushed Tommy Taylor into midfield and put me at the back. And we won the game. I think it was 2-0. And I, I had a good game. But that, 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 why I remember that is I'd only ever played reserve games at, at the bowling before. Empty. Handful yeah. of people in there. And then all of a sudden, it's packed... And you feel it was a very suffocating sort of... Mm. People were like, especially in the chicken one. Yeah. You mm. could touch them. It was like weird. It was like you could see faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was... Um, <laughs> it was, it was I mean, to be fair, it didn't bother me. I just clicked into game mode, which I, I didn't know what to expect, really. You, nobody can prepare you for your first team talk as a manager or your first moment, five minutes, on a football pitch in front of 40,000. Yeah. Nobody mm. can prepare you for that. You you go in there and you find out about yourself and fortunately for me it it was it was just natural yeah mm. and then obviously um, you went from that to then playing um, at Wembley in 1980 in the cup final um, you know what what do you remember about that that day and that that side I mean and also we were obviously in the second tier at that point so it was a big achievement at the time you know talk us about that day and the well, side I suppose we were underdogs and to, to a certain degree people would have felt the pressures off you but the the, the one particularly harrowing experience of that day was getting on the coach in a hotel that we'd stayed in about a 20 minute drive away from Wembley and then the coach making its way towards Wembley and about I don't know three or four miles from Wembley all of a sudden it's tail to tail and all you can see is claret and blue scarves and then Arsenal supporters 
And then the, the daunting visual of all of these West Ham fans. And then the doubt entering your head thinking, if I mess up today, yeah. <laughs> I'll let all these yeah. people down. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that was something that you, you became totally apparent to me. Mm. Up until that point, I hadn't thought about it. Yeah. A bit stupid of me, really. But <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was quite a daunting prospect mm. thankfully it didn't happen but yeah. it, you know it, it can make or break a play can't mm. it a cup final and that was obviously when a cup final was the biggest well, yeah. game in the calendar mm. it was bigger than the Champions League yeah. it was a massive game it's something I'd only ever watched on TV mm. so to be a part of that it was like it, it was very hard to explain yeah. It was like an out an out of body experience. Is this really happening to me? Mm. Mm. Did the game just whiz by then? Oh. It went really quick. The same mm. sort of thing. I was really nervous before that. Once the game started, it was like game mode. I was on. Mm. Yeah. The weird thing was, I'd been to the the FA Cup final as a Liverpool supporter to watch Liverpool play Arsenal oh, in really? 1971 when oh. Charlie George scored that goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. On the floor. Yeah. yeah. So you know, nine years later, yeah. I'm actually in the tunnel, ready to go out against the team that beat my team, yeah. and we beat them. Yeah. yeah, that's surreal, isn't it? That's unbelievable, it is. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, what what a day as well. You know, Brooking to score with a header, and there's so so much little sub stories in that game. You know, the Paul Allen incident with Willie Young was yeah, that his name? Right. Yeah, there's just so many little subplots to that. And you know, my dad always talks about that game, and it's one of those games. As a West Ham fan, you wish you could, you know, if you could go back in time and attend, you'd do it. And, that's the best, the best yeah. West Ham day of my life. That was yeah, it. and also I think the the day after. Yeah, <laughs> it's fantastic because you've you've already achieved it. You, yeah. you know, you're on on a coach and going towards the town hall down East Ham, and you and you think oh, the, the 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 atmosphere. Mm. And it, mm. what was great about that was it was West Ham supporters who were the majority were men. There weren't as many women then going yeah. to football as, mm. as there are now, but they brought their wives and their family. Mm. So it was yeah. obviously thousands and thousands, hundreds, hundreds mm. over a hundred thousand. I would have thought one hundred and fifty thousand. I don't know how many, mm. but it, you, it was all multiplied because people wanted to enjoy the festivities with mm. their family. You know? well, yeah. My, my um, one of my favourite photos at my family home now is my. Uh, great gran was 99 at the, at the time we won the FA Cup and she's out there in all those hundreds of thousands you're talking about dressed in claret and blue with my other family members and it's right there on our mantelpiece so you're right that that image is you know for me of my family and you describing it there I can really relate to, relate to I that. think you'll probably Magical. have to be 99 before your family wait for a picture well, of you on yeah, the mantelpiece yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to they're gonna have to give up on that because I ain't making 99 I tell you I can tell you that now <laughs> did you um, silly question did you celebrate that night was there a, a particular place you went or was it a quiet one wives girlfriends or a boys one yeah I, well my wife now was, was my girlfriend then Maggie so uh, yeah we, we went back to the hotel there was a reception of some sort I couldn't drink then I, I've never been you know a big drinker if I had like four five bottles of, or five, five pints of beer I was all over the place <laughs> so uh, I, we had a couple of drinks but I remember not, not drinking a lot mm. and then drinking the odd bottle of beer on, on top of the Lacey's coach we had a Lacey coach with um, not a double um, decker it was a, a single decker but where the actual um, the ventilators were they'd taken them out we were all up on top of the, of the roof I'm sure it wouldn't be allowed these days. <laughs> but people just kept handing bottles up to me. I, 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 I keep drinking them. But I, it was it was it was just brilliant. Just brilliant. Yeah, mm. you can't put a price on memories like that, can no. you? You really no. Can't. No, you can't. You're so lucky to have enjoyed that. I mean, people were lucky enough to enjoy it as a fan, but to have been a player yeah. and contributed to making so many people genuinely happy. Yeah. That's mm. a real special moment for you and any of the boys from that day I it's still a part I, of I his that team as well that team was a, it, was a, it was an excellent team but it mm. was a, a team full of good guys mm. yeah you know we all got on well there wasn't, mm. there wasn't any problem with any one of those players it was a really tight knit yeah. outfit but you know I'm going to ask you a question that we didn't think of before but I know it's one that always Mark Ward always <laughs> like gets quite angry about but what, what side was better that cup side or the 85-86 I would say the best one that I played in was the 81 side because okay. the reason I say that I, I, I knew you were going to ask me that so I wrote it down you had a better right Phil winger Parks. <laughs> Phil Parks played, yeah. there ain't many players out of the 86 team that would get in there were a few in that team Yeah, but, but, but I, 
The 81 team had Trevor Brookin mm. in it at its, at its more or less peak. Yeah. Billy Bonds, yeah. Frank yeah. Lampard, yeah. Phil Parks, who was at his peak. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Alan Devonshire, who hadn't had the injury, mm. his knee injury, yeah. he was at his peak. Yeah. So yeah. they all would have got in, 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 in the best ever side. Yeah. So mm. I, I wrote down Parks, Ray Stewart was, was another player, was at mm. his peak. That Billy Bonds... I can never, you know, I think that obviously Frank was a, a fabulous player, so he, he would get in there. Brooking, I think Jeff Pike was an underrated player. Mm. He's a really underrated. I know that Liverpool, big teams wanted to buy Jeff Pike. Oh, really? Um, mm. So, you know, he was somebody that, that certainly he was a, a, an underrated player. Alan Dev was a, was a no-brainer, one of the mm. best players I ever played with. Mark Wood would have gone in it. No, would he? He's not just going to be me, mate. Yeah, Mark pretty... Ward would have gone in that team. So yeah. uh, oh, there you go, that. Wardy. Yeah. I was <laughs> going to say, you wouldn't have been happy with you up until that point. Yeah. <laughs> Crossy uh, was was the centre forward, and I, and and I think Frank and and Tony. Mm. So Frank McIverney mm. and Tony Cotty. Mm. Which one of them you would have played because they they would have gone in that team. Mm. But yeah. it's which one would you have played? I can never make my mind up because I mean, Crossy, you'd have to play. Yeah. And one of them, either one of them two with Crossy would have been perfect. Yeah. yeah. I tell you, his, his goals to game ratio, Crossy, is so overlooked by West Ham fans, mm. I think. Mm. He, he, he had a phenomenal goal scoring record for West yeah. Ham. But he was, he, was a, he was the leader as well. He would, he would hear people um, mm. and, he'd be, and, he, and he always wanted the ball. You know, yeah. he, 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 if you were in trouble, you could either put it up on near his chest or up in the air and he'd, 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 mm. he'd win it. Or if he didn't win it, he wouldn't let he wouldn't let somebody else win it. <laughs> yeah. He was he was a great player. What I always find so interesting about David Cross is obviously he used to tell stories like that and his nickname was Psycho and stuff. And then we had him as one of our guests at a pre match event. He's the most like an absolute gentleman, yeah, like yeah, so calm, well spoken. And then you hear about his football personality; it sounds completely different. And you just find him as a real fascinating character. And my dad always said, "Billy Bonds is the same." Yeah, true, Billy true. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. If I hadn't seen Billy Bonds play, I would not believe the sort of player he was. Yeah. In Billy, because he's such mm. a quietly spoken guy. Mm. You know, mm. humility. Mm. Love, love, you know, they, they are good, but that, that team wasn't was a, a good team. Yeah. in every sense. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, talking about daunting prospects, you then made your England debut against Brazil, I think it was in 1981. How was being with England different to West Ham and why? I think you've gone out of your comfort zone, number one. Um, you've, you've won, hopefully, you've won over um, the West Ham fans. I think it won Hammer of the Year that year. So, you know, you, you know they're on side. You feel confidence in your surroundings. And all of a sudden, you're going into a, um, an England setup where you've got to prove yourself all over again. So, you know, that, that, that could be disconcerting. And did you feel like you belonged there when you arrived at the England camp? Ron Greenwood was the manager, so it was nice that, that he was there. Trevor was in the squad. Billy Bonds was supposed to be in that squad. And um, Is that right? Yeah, he was going to be... We were both going to play in that game. And we played oh. a game the previous Tuesday or Wednesday, away at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, and Bill made the fatal mistake of... After Phil Park shouts keepers not getting out of the way, which is, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. there's only ever going to be yeah. one winner there. Don't yeah, care how hard you are. Mm. Even to this day, he's a big lump yeah. here, wasn't he? Well, he broke two of Bill's ribs, and that was the reason that Bill didn't join up with the squad. Oh, and, uh, you know, that, that's what a big regret because we both would have played in that game against Brazil. How did he take that personally, Bill? Didn't he knew? Uh, look. When I went into the medical room, uh, the day that we were joining up, I was desperate for him to, 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 to go with me. Cause I, you know, I was going into uncharted territory myself and mm. I, it would have been great to have him there. Mm. And he went, I'm struggling here. Stretch, he just called me Stretch. I'm struggling here. I'm going to go for a run. Went out for a run and then come back into the medical room and went, no. And you knew he, he is yeah. not... <laughs> He's, he's not going to put it on. He's there. one of the hardest men. Yeah. I mean, probably the hardest man I ever met. Mm. Um, would play with anything, mm. and, and it didn't surprise me. As soon as he had an X-ray, it was, it was, it was broken, or two of the ribs were broken. Yeah. So, mm. but he got out of the way next time, Parks. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, bet. I mean, the yeah. thing is, Bill being Bill, I'm sure he probably wasn't even saying that because of you know pain thresholds. It was probably because he didn't want to let his country down, yeah. playing not as fit as he should. should you know what he been. said to me? He said the, the, the biggest regret he had about that was he felt sorry for his dad. He was more upset that his wow. dad didn't get to see him play really uh, for England at Wembley because his dad Mr Bonds used to watch reserve games and youth team games and come up to me one day and he said to me you're going to play for England and I went thanks Mr Bonds <laughs> he actually said that in the, did he know, really so yeah. it was it was something he, he obviously knew, knew the game yeah, um, yeah. I'm sure he would love to have seen his son play so from Bill's point of view 
he was more upset that his dad had Yeah, I can well. totally understand mm-hmm. that. Yeah. How did you get the nickname Stretch, by the way? Isn't one Keith of Robson gave it to me when I was uh-huh. in Diggs in East Ham. I used to be always lying on the floor eating chocolate and watching telly, and he's always <laughs> stepping over me. When you know, I did have long legs. <laughs> so um, it, it, he'd give it to me, and once he called me in training, that, that was it. Bill still calls me now. I spoke to Bonzo last week. He was all right, Stretch. <laughs> <laughs> and talking of Keith Robson, he, he did like a drink, didn't he, Keith? Yeah, he liked anything with a B, like boozing, beers, and bet. <laughs> My kind of man. He was a character. Yeah. In the days when, when perhaps you could get away with it, you couldn't get away with it now. <laughs> um, obviously, uh, the, you, you then suffered an injury yourself and actually missed the 1982 World Cup. Um, you know, how hard was that to deal with? And then, in return, you then made the 1986 World Cup, so the kind of contrasted emotions. Yeah, well, the 82 one, I broke my collarbone in an in England um, representative game up in Manchester and then came back and played a game in Coventry, I think it was, and Parksy again <laughs> decided to... Uh, it's a liability, Parksy. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he put a few of us out. He actually clattered me, clattered me, rocked the shoulder and it crunched and I thought I broke it again. Mm. Um went home um, and it wasn't broken what it had done it just shook the joints up and mm. um, I nearly made it I played a, I played a game at, um, against Finland in, in Helsinki prior to the World Cup but I knew I wasn't right because I hadn't had any games mm. um, so in the end I didn't make that squad um, and it hits you really when you start to watch it I'd gone on holiday to Menorca with my uh, my girlfriend then Maggie and it was as soon as I started watching it on telly. That's when you, you know yeah. you gutted. Mm. Oh, it, it hits home, and you, you're having to watch it rather than be there. Mm. So yeah, but I got there in '86. So and how was that? How was that? How experience? '86 well, was was uh, mixed emotions because we'd had all of these games at West Ham um, that season where we'd finished third and we'd had uh, two cup runs, league and FA Cup, where we had replays for postponements, which meant that we'd had to have a lot of games in the last month mm. or the last six weeks a ridiculous amount of games I can't remember how many it was but we were out on our feet really mm. and we were obviously still with a chance I think even with three games to go of winning, mm. you know, of winning the title but Liverpool went on one of them amazing runs didn't they um, mm. and we didn't make it in the end but I was physically tired mm. really tired exhausted mm. I'd say and I, I just needed four or five days and I, I went to uh, John John Lyle the manager and said um, is there any chance that you know the gaffer Brian, uh, Bobby Robson can um, can give me four days just to chill out, mm. and then I can jo- I can join up later on. But they were flying out to Colorado to do altitude training. Um, anyway, he said go up to speak to to Bobby and then discuss it with him. But I'm sure that'll be okay. I went, oh great. So I went up with me mate. Mate took me up there, Terry Clifford. Um, I sat down, had a chat with him. He went, well, we're going to Colorado. It's a beautiful hotel. We're not going to be doing anything. You sit around the pool. Mm. And he said, so uh, yeah, you're coming. So I went, oh, I haven't got any gear with me. He said, don't worry. He sent the car, get all my gear, and he brought it back, and I ended up flying off with them. Um, and when we did get there, he told me a little white lie because we, we were doing training, altitude training, which was pretty hard. Yeah. So there wasn't mm. any rest. Mm. Yeah. So uh, I think he just once said, look, I want to get my squad all out there at the same time. I think the Liverpool players and the Everton players were flying out later because they were playing in the cup final that year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's what happened. And then you played, uh, I don't know how many games you played, but you played and then you would drop for the Argentina yeah, game. I only played you? the yeah. one because I think one, they, played, yeah. they played the previous two. Mm. Um, Portugal, was it Morocco? I can't remember who it was now. But anyway, the third game was against Paraguay. Mm. Um, and we obviously needed to win that game to, to, go, to get out of the group stages. So I played in that game. We won the game three 0 It all went well, and I just assumed I was going to play in the following game yeah. against Argentina. Until I think it was the two or three days before we sat down, the team talk. Um, you give the team out straight away. One change, Fennick in for Martin, and that was it. I didn't. I can't remember what else was said. I can't remember anything. Yeah. I just remember walking around the hotel, and I'd already fro- flown my dad out there. So my dad was out in Mexico City, mm. staying in the same hotel as us. So uh, I had to go and tell my dad, which wasn't a nice. Uh, and he didn't explain the decision at all. No. To it, no? no. Just that, uh, that was that was it. That was the team, and uh, well, with hindsight, it probably wasn't a bad thing after what Maradona did to well, <laughs> that defence. I don't think anyone could have stopped at the Maradona's second goal. Yeah, yeah. And who knows what would have happened because England came on strong. Really, mm-hmm. in the last mm-hmm. five or ten minutes, we could have got level. But uh, look, it's happened. Um, yeah. My over, over, overriding memory was just watching it. 
mm. in the Aztec Stadium and seeing somebody who was so much better than everyone else. Mm. Mm. Well, who knows? If Parkson would have been in goal that day, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he would have come charging out of the yeah. A could have been a different Something outcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't have been, been coming down what, a day later, wouldn't he? Yeah, he exactly. No hand of God then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, please help me, God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned the Hammer of the Year award. I mean, that is obviously one hell of an accolade for, for any West Ham player. And I think you won it um, in that era in 1980 and 1982 I think that's yeah, right I three times I can't remember what, 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 um, what years it was but it was early 80s yeah. yeah, so 1980 was the first one I'm sure yeah mm-hmm. so around that sort of time that we're talking about at this stage and um, I mean that's got to be it is an achievement but how seriously did you take that I mean was, was that a, a, did you see that as a real achievement or was it just a, a I don't want to say throwaway but no, how no. seriously did you take no, winning was, that award look, it was the most important individual award in my eyes yeah that you could win. If, if you said to me you, you could you can win the Football Writers Award mm. or the Hammer of the Year Award, the uh, Hammer of the Year Award every time. Mm. People who watch you every week, mm. Mm. people who watch you week in and week out, home and away, a lot of them. Yeah. So absolutely, when when you get that, if, the funny thing was, I felt that maybe in two of the three of the, my best years, I didn't win it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, '86, I had a good season in '86. Machiavelli, did he, he win it? Machiavelli, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, banging well, all them goals yeah. in. Yeah. So um, but, you know, I, yeah. I think when when in the early '80s. We had some good players in that team, mm. yeah. you know. So I look back and think, "Oh, blimey, how did I do that?" You know, with Brooking and Bonds and yeah, Devonshire and one Parks hell of an achievement, yeah. Yeah, yeah, incredible. So from that point of view, no, I'm, I'm incredibly proud. It probably as an individual award, certainly the most proudest. Yeah, because I've always wondered, uh, and obviously I've assumed that it does mean something to players to win that award. But I've I've always wondered just how much it means to the player to win that award. So I was just interested to hear your answer on that. Do you still have the trophies at home? Yes, I have. Yeah, I do. Three, okay. three of them. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Um, we've talked about it a bit. Obviously, how the eighty-five, eighty-six team. You played forty out of the forty-two games. I think in in the league that year. Um, you've talked about why the nineteen eighty team was so special. But what was it that was so special about that team, the eighty-six team? It had good footballers, but it had devilment. Um, it had been naughtiness in it. So mm-hmm. people, you know, maybe like Mark Ward. Mm-hmm. McAvenny, who you know didn't respect anyone really, mm. they just went, "Now we're here, mm. and we don't care who you are, yeah. and we're gonna we're gonna go out." And I think we needed that. We needed that that ingredient mm. within that within, fight, yeah. yeah. And they brought uh, something really different, and 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 what that did, it sparked other people up around the pitch. Mm. Alan Dickens was fantastic that year. Mm. Tony Cotty seen Frank McAvenny come in and looked at Frank McAvenny and went, "You know what? I can do a little bit more of what he does." Mm-hmm. And I think McAvenny can look to look to Tony. I think I want to be able to finish as cleanly as that. And they complement each other. And I think they did improve as as a, as a duo uh, mm-hmm. because of each other. So everything just just went right. You know, mm-hmm. we started off, and gradually there was a spirit building within the side. I remember two two games in or three games in, we had, we'd have a meeting on our own. You know, which John John vetoed. It was no problem, but we'd sort things out on our own. Um, and if somebody wasn't doing a shift, they'd be told in the right way. Mm. So there was a, there was an integrity and honesty within that that group mm. that was um, was very important, I think. Mm. Mm. Oh, one thing Wardy's always said is that if that side would have had Julian Dix, you wouldn't have won the league. You'd have pissed it. Do you agree with that? I think that Julian would have been what he would have been certainly one of the the ingredients that you think were perfect. Whether or not he'd played that many games, because he'd been him and Wardy in the same team, back of any as well, yeah. you know, um, we'd have ended up getting a, a few red cards, I think. But I think the the the, um, the 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 position up front, I think, was important. I think we we had a possibility of maybe getting somebody like Mick Arthur in at that time, and I think Tony and, and Frank maybe could have been utilised a little bit different. But look, this is all it's all ifs and buts, isn't it? Mm. I think there were the different reasons we we maybe didn't go out and strengthen. Um, in, in maybe a couple of positions that, that we could have. We thought we could replicate the, the season before. And it, you know, why not? Mm. But we did get injuries the following year. I remember, I, I think, five games into the season, I got sent off. And in training, I had a really bad knee injury. I'd come down and my knee was blown up and I, I didn't play for six weeks. But while I wasn't playing, I'd had a problem with my foot, a tiny little problem. Didn't stop, didn't stop me playing anyway, but I knew I had a little problem there. I had an arthritis um, in, the, in the first metatarsal of my right foot. And for some reason, that flared up when I'd, I'd, I'd been uh, incapacitated by the knee injury. 
And that was the be- that was the beginning of the worst time, three years, on and off with ejections, operations mm. on my feet, and they weren't sorted out. And I went back, and he said, "Look, there's nothing wrong with your foot." The specialist, I went, "Well, it must be in my head then." And I had three or four years of not being fit. Um, so that was something. If the, one of the one of the only well, it's the only thing I changed about my whole career, I would have said, "I'm not playing till that foot's sorted out." I'm not playing. Eventually, did get it sorted out. And there was a problem with the foot, which hadn't been diagnosed right. So, um, but it, it's it was three years too late. Mm. So I lost really. I reckon I lost from 29 to 32, 33. Me best could have been my best mm. years. And a lot of people say that's mm. the peak of a footballer's career. Well, mm. yeah. And I look back now. That was that was a problem for me because mm. it caused having that problem with me foot caused problems with me back with me hamstring. And I don't have to tell you if you've got problems with your back and your hamstring, and, you, and you, you, I felt like I needed a good oil. Mm. So um, it was um, it was a tough time. That mm. I'm going to ask you a question now. I'm sure you've answered a thousand times, if not more. But we cannot talk about the '86 season without talking about the win over Newcastle, where you famously scored a hat trick against three different keepers. And is it right from memory, from when I've spoken to you before, you didn't know you'd scored a hat trick against three different keepers until someone told you after? Is that right? That's right, Trevor Smith of the Recorder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that every goal was against different goalkeepers. Trevor, was it really? He said, "Yeah." I used to just be so focused on the game, I wouldn't be able to tell you what was yeah, going on yeah. half the time. But um, no, that's right. It was the, the the three goals against three different goalkeepers. The first one was the first. Uh, keeper, proper keeper. He must have been only been half fit, and it was in the days where there was only one sub. So Martin Thomas got injured. I'd scored a goal against him, you know, relatively close range volley, I think. And then uh, the second keeper was Chris Headworth, who I'd scored a header against. Um, and I, late on in the game, I think we were seven-one up, no pressure on us whatsoever. The game was won. We got a penalty, and then, you know. <laughs> The goalkeeper for them was Peter Beasley. So, <laughs> so if you're ever going to be confident, take a penalty. Say, didn't everyone, everyone want to take it? Tiny little goalkeeper, you seven one up. Yeah. I did eventually persuade Ray Stewart that it was best he let me take the penalty. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the persuasion that it was your hat trick and he, and he Yeah, well, the crowd was singing. The yeah, crowd was yeah. singing. They they, yeah. they were aware. They yeah. were, I don't know if they were aware it was against a different goalkeeper every time, but they were certainly yeah. aware that it was my hat trick. So yeah. they more or less demanded that I took the penalty. Yeah. I'm sure, talking to Peter Beardsley, you told me a story previously about when you roomed with him. Does that ring any bells? Yeah. Go yeah. on, you've got, you've got to tell it, because I found it really funny. Well, you know, he, he, was, he went the prettiest, was he, with all his teeth in, but like he used to have a pallet with three or four teeth in it, uh, which he used to take out every night and put it by the side of his bed in a, in a, in a glass of water. And then I woke up one night, reached for the, the glass of what I thought was my water and took it out of it, then his pallet. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I, think, I think he lost one tooth out of that pallet as I threw it against the wall. So, uh, <laughs> well, just, even now, I, I, can, I can feel myself oh, like, yeah. feeling a bit queasy when I think about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, how funny. I know that uh, Waldy uh, told me a story about Peter Beers. I was going to well. say that. I've heard another story. I think it was Waldy. Yeah, I think this made me laugh as well. Obviously, I've never met him, but he sounds like a character, Peter. And um, I think Everton were um, were getting a bit of a tanking, I think. And at half-time, Howard Kendall's come in, and he said, right, boys, I'll tell you now, there's going to be a few new faces in this dressing room. And Peter Beardsley pipes up and says, can I have one, boss? <laughs> yeah, really funny. You weren't the prettiest. <laughs> good player, though. Yeah, very good player. Brilliant yeah. player. Like, even in his later years at Newcastle, was very good, wasn't they? Um, we've kind of talked about it a bit in the past, um, uh, in the previous questions. So, obviously, we finished third in the league in 86, best ever season. And then we, within a few years, we were relegated. Um, what went so wrong after that? I think maybe the, 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 we didn't strengthen. Then we had injuries the following year. Um, then I think um, Frank and Tony um, were on their way very soon after that. So, you know, I think Tony went to Everton, Frank went to Celtic. Mm. Um, so we lost the heartbeat of, of the team. And I, I, I don't think me and Tony Gale played another 15 games together, you know, mm. in succession after that. So the, mm. team, the team that, that had done so well wasn't the same team in terms of personnel. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there, there, there were... 
I mean, I, I think also is when you when you do well like that, there's more pressure on the following year. It doesn't get easier; it gets harder. Mm, mm. So you think, okay, well, we finished third. We could have done a little bit better, maybe. Mm. Maybe um, you know, this could be our year. Mm. Whereas we should have been thinking in our mindset, we should be saying this is going to be harder than last mm. year. Mm. People mm. are wised up to us now. They they know what our strengths are, how we play. They know everything about our team. Um, so um, you know, maybe that, that's 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 a part of, of what happened as well. Yeah, mm. I mean, all ex pros, players, staff, and fans um, just cannot speak highly enough of, of John Lyle. Obviously, he's a legend at the football club, and obviously, I know you enjoy playing for him. Alf, how did you feel when he was sacked? I think it was like unthinkable, really, that John wasn't going to be manager there for twenty, thirty, forty years, and uh, I, I, I personally feel that. Um, a sense of responsibility, you know. I, I was part of the team that got him the sack, and um, that's the way I felt in myself. And um, with John, I spoke to him. I was away. I was abroad when 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 the news hit, and I phoned John. And obviously, everyone was trying to phone him, uh, but it just seemed a really poor way for it to end as well. Mm. It, it, the great thing about uh, John was, look, I, you'll, you won't find a player that won't say anything but good things about John. Mm. Mark. That's mm. how good John was. He was fantastic. And even if you weren't in his team, you respected him. So uh, just a fantastic gentleman. And I, I owe him a lot, John. He, um, he had so many friends within the game, management, um, other directors, um, everyone sort of coveted what he built at West Ham and what he's what he stood for, um, but he's he's somebody that I, I just feel really sorry that I didn't get a chance to properly say goodbye. And when he came back with his with another team, Ipswich, even then standing in the tunnel, John came out to the door and I looked at him and I just I just nodded. I didn't say hi, John, and you know mm. put my arms around him because mm. I was just focused on the game. Mm. Mm. It was weird, you know. Yeah. I, I, you know, I do regret that. But that's been strange for him as well, coming yeah, back. Yeah, but yeah. years later, we, we were at a function up in London, a West Ham function, and um, we all got invited into the room. Um, loud applause. When John walked in the room, it reached a, a new level, and John was genuinely taken aback by the emotion and love that he was feeling in the room. And I remember thinking that's a really nice memory. That, yeah, you know, for me, I'm nice that he, it's nice that he experienced yeah. that. Yeah. Mm. Everyone would want that for him. Do you know how he handled the sacking? Well, badly. He was a um, pretty forthright character, John. You know, everyone's got this sort of a perception of him being a quiet, um, measured, and he was measured. But he he could he could um, you know blow off steam. Mm. And I think he was angry more than anything. I think he'd given so much to the club and. You know, he's trying to get money out of John for a contract. It was like his own money, you know, but he was doing a job on every level. He was negotiating contracts. Yeah. He was getting in players. He was sorting out the scouting. He was sorting out the training. He was Proper manager. Out. He did everything. Mm. Just a great man. Um, and obviously he was, um, the, Lou Macari came in, um, and then we had uh, Billy Bonds, your, uh, your playing days, mate. Um, how did you take to his appointment? Bill was well. We were all delighted. Yeah. You know, Bill was the obvious man, and mm. uh, he had he had everyone's respect within the the dressing room. And Bill did the job just as exactly as he played, dead mm. straight. He was honest with everyone. If he did, if he if he didn't think you were doing well, he'd tell you. If he did think you were doing well, he'd tell you. Uh, you know, it was it was nothing. He, he, look, I think sometimes um, you've got to be a little bit deceitful to to be a good manager, and, and that's something that Bill would would never have. He he lucky mm. straight. Mm. And he could, he didn't have that, that in him, and for some reason he got away with it. Mm. Whereas you know another manager could not have got away with it. But Bill was straight, and you think, well, that's Bill, and he's telling me the truth, and I know where to stand with him. Yeah, mm. we got promoted under Bill uh, shortly after that. What do you remember about that time? Uh, I remember him being. Um, I don't know with Bill in charge. He always he always instilled confidence in you as as a player. You think, oh, I want Bill alongside me. If, if Bill's in my team, we got a chance. And I felt like he was a bit like that as a manager as well. You know, he, he, mm. he never, never ever felt that he was going to go in and lose a game. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He always mm. set up, doesn't matter who we were playing, set up to be positive. Um, and obviously we did lose games, but like you think, okay, we'll push yourself down, stand up, get on with it again. And that's the way he tried to run his team. And so um, some, of the, the, some of the stuff that when he was playing, he, he tried to instill into, into the team that he was managing. Obviously, it doesn't always work 100%, but mm. I think he did a good job. Um, and, he, and he was, again, you talk about the, the times that Billy was um, 
managing West Ham, they were pretty tough times. Mm. You know, there was a mm. tough job to be doing. Mm. The bond scheme was on. Mm. There was a lot of you know mm. uh, distractions. So mm. there was you know there's lots of stuff going on. So yeah, he, he, he did a remarkable job, really. Yeah, and then in other like similar circumstances to John Lyle, he left under a very you know a dark cloud and was replaced by his supposed close mate Harry Redknapp and we've all heard the stories and the talk about what actually happened then but you know as a player at that era and being in and amongst it all what did you make to what happened and how much did you know about it and was it then hard to accept Harry as the manager after that well there'd been a two a twosome and you know like um, Bill was hard straight Harry was like very affable, he was like arms round you, jokey, and so they were a good cop, bad cop, but not a good parent, and well balanced parent. Obviously, being friends, uh, best man at weddings, all of that. Uh, when when the news come that Bill um, had moved upstairs, uh, sorry, had been offered to move upstairs, and and gone, you know, we were told, um, and Harry come in and, and, and told us what had happened. Uh, we just all. We're a bit like stunned, but also think, okay, well, that's the way it is. We've got to get on with it. My personal take on that was like, you know, because I didn't know that that Bill and, and Harry had had a fallout at, at, at that time. I thought it was it was a, it was a decision that had been made above, and that was it. Um, I think when you're faced with that proposition as a player, what you do is you you pull a West Ham shirt on, you play, mm. Mm. just block it. You get paid. Mm. You get paid to mm. play. Football for West Ham United. Mm, so yeah. you know you go out. You, what, what are you going to do? Not train properly. Not not you know have a moan up or whatever it is. Mm, yeah. So you know there was only one alternative, and that was to go out and, and play. Mm, mm, mm. Well, you played until 1996. So a phenomenal amount of time at West Ham. How does that feel after close to or over 20 years playing for West Ham? That suddenly comes to an end. The, well, the last day, Sheffield Wednesday, I think it was. Um, it was weird because although I knew it was going to come to an end, there was one moment in the day when I went out onto the pitch and Harry Redknapp made a presentation of some glass um, to mark, you know, the, the, the retirement. And it was it wasn't until he handed me it and I looked at it and it dawned on me that I wasn't ever going to be walking onto that pitch again in that capacity. Mm-hmm. And that was like, oh, <laughs> I don't know if I like this. Mm-hmm. So th- that was a moment. But look, my my life's been full. I've got three kids. I've got, you know, I was running a business at the time. So I had a lot of things going on in my life. Mm, life outside of football yeah. was already so set I was up. Always, I was always okay with all that. Some people struggled to come to terms with it. For me, it was, it was pretty easy. Mm. So obviously, Dave said about you know how long you're at the club, a very loyal servant of West Ham, extremely loyal. Was there any times during that that period that you had offers from other clubs? You know, and who were they? And did it ever get close to you leaving? It never got close to me leaving. I think... Um, I knew that that um, I, I found out later, and I, and I also got tapped up a couple of times. Mm. So I knew that Arsenal and Tottenham, Tottenham had been in for for me three times. Really, yes. Everton, Leeds. So I know that, it, but in those mm. days, um, I think John Lyle had a, a, a really high standing within the game. Mm. Nobody poached his players, mm. you know, because if John ever found out, you know, he'd never give somebody. You wouldn't do that. Other managers wouldn't do that. They do it to other other managers, but not to John Lyle. Mm-hmm. So I think there was a a trust there that that, that people wouldn't be poached. Mm. Uh, although, like I said, it did happen once or twice where there was discreet inquiries yeah. made. <laughs> but I was just happy there. I never yeah. ever crossed my mind um, to to leave the club. In fact, you know, I think towards the end when I was struggling with injuries, there was a chance that Bill wasn't going to offer me a contract, which I mentioned early on. And then I got back in the team, played a few games, and then we were having a discussion about money and Bill went, oh, I don't know if we can pay that. I said, well, all right, Bill. I said, Look, you know, um, but I've got another club that's contacted me. And he said, uh, "Who is it?" I said, I, "I said it doesn't matter who it is, but like you know." <laughs> I said, "No, who is it?" I said, "It's Tottenham," and he, and he went, "Oh no!" <laughs> I think we, we agreed the contract within two hours. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and were they actually in for you at that oh, time? Yeah. Oh yeah, they were. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, how funny! I've got to ask you. I've got. I'm sure I know the answer to this, or maybe I don't. If there wasn't a future for you at West Ham, would you go to Tottenham? If there wasn't a future for you at West Ham, and Tottenham was the 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 main oh, kind of front well, look, runner, I, look, if, if Tottenham would have come in and said, "Look, you know, West Ham have, have 
don't want you anymore. Mm. Of course I would have. Yeah. Mm. You know, and it probably would have. Um, I'm sure it wouldn't have gone down well with a lot of the fans. But what what would they have done? Mm. Yeah, you know, faced with that, I had a mortgage still. Yeah, of course. Uh, three, you know, three young kids. And money then wasn't what money's now in the no, game. That's right. No, no. You, you know, so from that point of view, I think yeah, yeah, I would, I would have had to take that offer. Yeah, mm. and I think you um, briefly had some time playing alongside a young Rio Ferdinand. Uh, I think you might have trained with him as well for a yeah, short period of time yeah. up until that last game where you played alongside him. Did you see something special in him at that time you had with him at West Ham? I was always surprised that. Um, Man United had to wait for Leeds to go in and buy him and then buy him from Leeds for like double the money that Leeds had paid. You know, I thought, mm. why, why don't you go in and get him now? Obviously, he's going to be a player. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, you know, you'd, look, he didn't have to be Einstein in terms of scouting to see that Rio was going to be, a, you know, a very good player. Mm. Um, he had the right mentality. He, um, he could play with the ball, pace to burn. Um, so, yeah, no, he was, he was, a, no, he was a no-brainer. You know, I, I think... I think sometimes you, you look at a player and I think, you know, you, 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 it's like Declan Rice now. It's what, 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 what hasn't Declan got? Experience. Mm. But he's got everything else. He can play, mm. he can tackle, he wants to defend. He will get better. Hopefully he'll get better um, in terms of his decision making. But you can tell he's an intelligent player. So I think this, one of the biggest winners uh, could be Declan Rice with Pellegrini because Pellegrini will want to play and he will be given licence to to make the odd mistake, but also to start things off in the back. Mm. If a young Declan Rice came to you and said, Alvin, what advice can you give me? What would you, what would you give him? Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you, you know, there's going to be a lot of people out there who criticise you who don't know what they're talking about. Um, so never be above criticism, but take it with a pinch of salt. Mm, interesting. Mm. Interesting. And, um, but yeah, very powerful words as well. I, 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 I get that, 100%. I think you're right. Um, so obviously, when you left West Ham, you went to Orient, played a few games there, and then ended up managing Southend. Um, why do you feel that management didn't really work out for you as such, and, and you never really went back into it after the Southend experience? Well, like this, this could take an hour, this, this answer. But like, look, I took the job on. It was a really tough job to take on at a tough time. Um, but it didn't go well. And then, you, you you know, I think you have to really strip yourself down and really look at yourself in a way that probably I wasn't prepared to do for six months to a year afterwards. Um, and then you start to think, well, why, why, what, could, I, could I have done that better? Yes, I could, I could have done that better. What about me, my, my, uh, my buys or the, the training or everything? Mm. I mean, the training was always very good. I felt that the sessions that I put on were, were I think the players would say that. But the actual um, philosophy of what we were trying to achieve and how we were trying to achieve it maybe could have been drummed into them more. Mm. And at the end of the day, I, I, I look back now and think, no, I wasn't good enough. You know, mm. and that's the bottom line. It's just like when, when a team gets relegated, it's ultimately because they're not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> there might be other like, different variations of why and, and there might be an element of truth in all them, but first and foremost, somebody's not good enough. Mm. So, you know, I never felt the need to, to go back into it because I'd done it, and it took a lot out of me. But I tell you what, um, it teaches you about yourself. Because as a player, you're always in a group, or there are times when you, you're you're being asked or criticised individually. But you're always, you know, you, you can share that with other people. Mm. But when you're a manager, it really did. Um, it did take a lot, uh, an exhausting experience, mm. especially when it don't go well. It's ex- it's exhausting mm. when it goes well. When it don't go well, but it does teach you about yourself, mm-hmm. and I don't regret doing that at all. Because now yeah. I can sit here really comfortable where I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not regret the fact that you didn't do it. Yeah, um, but I can imagine that could be a lonely place. Management. Yeah. Oh, it, it is. That, that first half an hour after you've, you get back into your little office and there's nobody there, you've mm. been beaten, and you and you know and, and things haven't been going well for a few weeks or whatever it is, and you, you begin, you know, you can hear the crowd chanting, you know, they want you out. All, all, that's not nice. That's mm. not, I don't care who you are. Mm. Some people front it out, and you know, but like underneath they're hitting. You wouldn't mm. be, you wouldn't be human. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Um, when you look back, all those years playing for West Ham, what kind of comes to the forefront of your mind? That's special memories, and it could be anything. It could be a game, it could be a goal, it could be winning trophies. What what comes to the forefront of your mind that that you class as memories that will stay with you forever? I think just being walking into the ground very early on in the first month or, or whatever in, in training 
training at the main ground, being with a group of lads all trying to make their way as apprentices. So we've got two years to do it. And then training, getting your vouchers to go around Casataris, 40p, <laughs> steak pudding, chips and beans. <laughs> I used to love that. Yeah. You know, that was fantastic. Um, so there, there, were, there, were, there were moments like that early on in the apprenticeship and then getting to that, you know, the, the youth cup final. But the togetherness and the the closeness and, and, and the, the characters in that dressing room, that, that was a lovely time to, to be joining. And... I think, and I've said it to you early on, that's like, you know, just being excited about getting up in the morning. I remember getting up in Cannon Town and seeing the fog and thinking, oh, no, we're not going to be able to train. <laughs> yeah. I was gutted that we couldn't, mm, weren't going to be able to train. Yeah. I loved it that much, you know. Mm. And I think that to be able to go into work and feel yeah. that mm. is, um, mm. you know, you, you are lucky, aren't you? you? You just don't get enough players in today's game with that sort of mentality. No. I think that's the problem. I do think that is the difference between the modern day footballer and the footballers gone by. Some now are mm. more interested in what their social media accounts say or how much money is in their bank account rather than the actual fundamentals of wanting to go and play football. And I think that's the difference nowadays between a footballer that makes it and a footballer that doesn't. It's that mm. desire, isn't it, to be a footballer? I mean, I think Matty Everington was saying to me the other day, he's just got the Peterborough under 18s manager's job and he said, you have to make being a footballer that one thing that you want and you focus on and that you give everything to that and I think too many probably don't I don't know if you'd agree with that but no, uh, I, I think you're right I think yeah. the, the money comes a little bit too early and mm. they don't focus on, on what, where they can improve um, I just, I, I'd, I'd like to think that if, if, if we were playing now that the money that we'd be earning would take the pressure of mortgage and bringing kids up out of it and then you could just play purely for the football mm, yeah, yeah. Do, 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 do you think that's the case or do you think obviously this is, this wouldn't be the case with yourself anyone will tell you that but even players around you back then do you think that would be the case for them or do you think that it would you would see complacency from, from players that you didn't back then because they were um, they wasn't blessed with uh, unlimited pound notes in the bank should we say I, I just think everyone's different you know I think there's, mm. there's, there's people like who, who Bill would come in and train and train harder than anyone else, stay out afterwards, do his extra bits. Frank Lampard would be doing doggies. Uh, I'd be doing headers. Like, so once we didn't, once the, the John blew the whistle, so he finished, we wouldn't go in. We'd stay out and do some extra stuff mm. because that's the way we'd been brought up. And, you know, I think mm. it's the way you're brought up. Generational thing as well, I think. Yeah. So, but not everyone was the same. You know, Dixie wouldn't. Mm. Julian mm. Dix, Frank McAvenny wouldn't. Mm. You know, but yeah. Frank McAvenny, get him on the football pitch, and Julian on the football pitch, and they'd, they'd run through a brick wall for you. Yeah. 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 So you've got to understand, you can't sort of just say, okay, that's, that's the way it is. Mm. Everyone is different. And, and look, there were, there, there were probably players well, in, in our dressing rooms in the past who, who maybe aren't as desirable as characters as some others, but they were vastly outnumbered. So the, 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 the goodness of a dressing room would be strong because one bad apple in there wouldn't be, wouldn't be enough. Mm -hmm. You know, the, you'd have to get four or five and things not be going well to, for it to, to all come down, which mm -hmm. I have experienced as well. But like, you know, then that, that, that 1980-81 team, there wasn't one person in there. That, that didn't adore John, uh, adore the job, and we're, what we were all doing. You know mm. that, that that season when we used to go outside the top flight and just get on the coach. Uh, I've got a visual picture of it now. Getting on the coach, normally you'd won the game by you know more than one or two goals, and we'd have our card school. Rob Jenkins, the physio, would be coming around serving us our salmon and prawns. Parks, he'd be sitting at the front of the bus with a with a cigar and a brandy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was you wanted it to be a four hour journey because we'd have such a good time. Yeah, we we Great. had um, Rob Jenkins as one of our guests on the, the show a little while ago. Great man, he's a great character. He yeah. told yeah, us but about... he's got more stories than anyone. Rob yeah. Jenkins and, <laughs> and a genuinely funny man as well. He, he's yeah, he's he brilliant, hilarious. He was the stories he told us. I mean, gosh, we could be here all night if we retold those. But they're great. Um, <laughs> we've kind of touched upon it in the previous questions, but let's let's put it right down now on paper. You're all time 11 that you played with let's let's make it a final 11 now i can never look i've been asked to do this before i can never do it I, yeah. I can i can give you nearly a nearly team yeah phil parks in goal ray stewart right back i can never make my mind up and all the players play with frank or julian 
Julian, like for obvious reasons. Yeah. Frank, because he was frank, it's solid, hard, reliable. Julian, not as reliable, but like what a left foot, mm. you know, and mm. scored some fantastic goals. So I can never make me mind about the left back. Yeah. You know, Bonzo's, you know, I, I love playing with Bonzo. So as a centre half, he, he's fantastic. Mm. Mark Ward would get in as a right winger because he had a bit of everything, Wardy. Mm. Go past people, score goals, create, total team player. Mm. Dev, when he was like at his peak, was unbelievable. Mm. So, you know, he's, he's as good a player as I've ever played with. Um, Trevor, for obvious reasons, mm. you know, the, mm. the just, just class. Um, Dicko or, or Jeff Pike, you know, Pike is probably a better foil for, for Trevor. So you'd say Pike, you know, is an underrated player. Mm. And then I'd put David Cross in, and I mentioned him already, you know, Paul Goddard was a great yeah. centre forward. You know, Pike, he was. At the time, them, them two years, 80, 81, 82, he was a handful to play against, scored mm. a lot of goals. But you'd have to say McAvenny and, and, and Cotty over a period of time, their, their records mm. um, were probably better than Sarge's. Mm. So it's, which one would you put with, um, with, with David Cross? You know, Frank McAvenny, who would run and run and run and run beyond him, mm. or Tony Cotty that would play off him and score a lot of goals as well. Mm. So it's, it, it's a centre-forward I, I can't make mind up, and the left-back. Mm-hmm. Well, I've given you nine. But well, you know one player as well that I thought might also challenge um, is Ludo, possibly. With, I know Phil was as yeah. good now, Ludo, as he was. I understand why you say that. Yeah, because yeah. Ludo... But, but Phil was unbeatable mm. on any mm. given day, mm. unbeatable. And I played in front and with some great Shilton, mm. Clemens, yeah, of course, yeah. Chris Woods, mm. Joe Corrigan. Mm. You know, they, they were... But on, on on any given day, there was times we do shooting practice at the end of a session, and you'd have to score a goal to go in. So you give it, get it back. You didn't have made it yards. So just outside the box, you, we could not get in. Mm. You know, we'd be out there. I mean, in the end, John would have to say, "All right, all in," because Parks he wouldn't let us <laughs> score. <Yeah. laughs> he just could, was unbeatable. Yeah. Great, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. Best player you've ever played with? Billy Bonds. Bill. Bill. Yeah, Billy. You know, look for talent. It might be. It might be. Pure talent, someone else. Although Bill had talent, don't get me wrong. Mm. But um, could play right back, centre, centre mid, uh, centre half. Yeah, versatile as well. A lot yeah, of people he could play. That. But he yeah. was just a yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, player. you know, he's, he's the one that, um, like I said, you know, out of everyone I've, I've played with at West Ham, the, 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 if you said to me, you know, pick a team, you know, you've got to win this game. It's it's the most important game you'll ever, you'll ever play. You, you can who's your first name? Bonds will be it. Yeah. Mm. A, a slight um, adaption to X's question five a side team they're really pushing well, Devonshire definitely <laughs> broken I probably would play Dicks then would you yeah Bonds and then Parksy yeah yeah yeah. I mean how good was Alan Devonshire because I was I was actually half expecting you to say Dev yeah. being the best player that you played with and obviously Bonzo there's no arguing with that yeah. but Dev was something else wasn't he yeah he was just he was somebody that we, we brought in five grand from Southall and um, that's amazing the first it? game yeah. I played was Oxford City in, in some sort of reserve I think they were in reserve league. anyway first five minutes into the game he's picked the ball up on the edge of our box and he started to run with it and somebody's running after him who I thought was quite quick and couldn't get near him and he, and he went away from him and then somebody else ran after him and he went past him he must have been four or five people and he ended up on the edge of their box with the ball and had a tame shot but I remember thinking to myself he ain't bad and he, he well that's what he did he just mm. ran with the ball and then he could he, he learned to be able to check inside and play play and then follow the ball get it back but when we used to do one or two touch in the gym we, we did a lot of tight um, stuff with John and Ron Greenwood but John then when Dev was there all in little 10 yard squares and we played one or two touch and Dev was unbelievable. You, you know, you, we were all pretty good at it because we, we did it regular. Mm. But Dev and Trevor had the eyes in the back of their head. They could see things that we couldn't see. Mm. And uh, he, the ball would be gone before you got anywhere near them. That's fascinating. I, I've got... I'm just, that's really intrigued. You've played with so many good players. Okay, it's the 89th minute. It's the cup final. It's a penalty. Julian Dix or Ray Stewart takes it for you. Or Alvin Martin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Depends if he's on the like crowd or something. Yeah. I'd definitely be third on my list. Yeah. <laughs> Ray Stewart. Okay. Really? Yeah. You, you give it to Ray, would you? Yeah, just for purely mental strength. Um, playing, you know, scoring a goal... When he went up to the League Cup final 
I, I, I had a, a header that was flicked over the bar by Terry McDermott, which I'll never forgive mm, him for mm. because that should have been a, a goal. Mm. But anyway, we got we got the, uh, the 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 penalty right in the last minute, mm. and it, he went up and he just he, he he passed it into the net. We'd been smashing them in all season, yeah. and he just passed. so we had a variety of finishes, and it was so cool, right? Mm, mm, he was the one mm. that mentally. Um, I think you know it, it was an edge because, well, mentally Julian was mental, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but Ray, I think, under real extreme pressure, you know, play, yeah. scoring. If he scores that, it doesn't. If he misses that, we're out the cup final. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. But so yeah, the composure, you just you'd, you'd give it to yeah. Tonka. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. As always, mm. it's been a pleasure talking to you and yeah. uh, we hope to have you uh, again soon and thanks for giving us your time Alf mm, thank, thank you. you very much for having me X and Dave Custom Inc. is an awesome way to recognize employees thank customers and outfit your teams with their favorite products and brands customized with your logo CustomInc.com lets you make your mark on water bottles backpacks polos jackets and a ton more Custom Inc. is your go-to custom gear partner with great customer service quality products and all-in pricing along with personalized help when you need it and an easy to use website when you don't oh yeah and everything is 100% satisfaction guaranteed check out what we can do for your business at CustomInc.com Moms are amazing at tracking down hard-to-find items. Library books, socks, you name it. But sometimes help is welcomed. Care.com makes it easy to find babysitters near you. Sitters with the experience and skills your family needs, like after-school pickup and homework help. You just post a job for qualified sitters to apply. And since all Care.com caregivers are background checked, you can feel confident about interviewing and hiring. To get the child care help you need, sign up now at Care.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.